Forgiving yourself is really, really challenging, but I think it's the most liberating and rewarding thing we can ever do. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks, come from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo with the rucker paw. Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in the basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt. Welcome to Decoding Success, the top 1% globally ranked podcast. This is your host, Matt Labrie, welcoming you into today's episode with our friend, the master of reinvention himself, Craig Siegel. Before introducing you to Craig or reintroducing you to Craig, I just want to bring you into the mindset that you're diving into this podcast for a reason. There's a reason you chose to listen to this, not just the podcast, but this episode over anything else that you could be doing in this world. So on that note, I want you to open your mind, shift your mind to the idea that's something within this episode. It could be anything. It could be a phrase. It could be a couple of words. It could be a topic that's discussed. You are here because it's guiding you. It's bringing you the answer or answers you've been seeking, the feelings of being seen, whatever it may be. There is a reason that you are here. So I want you to make that quick little mindset shift just simply by taking a deep breath and feeling into that as I share with you some of the takeaways that you will walk away from this episode with. And I said some because this conversation is jam-packed with knowledge, wisdom, experience from truly an incredible individual. Some of the takeaways, number one, how to become radically present by shifting your mindset from winning the day to winning the moment. Because how often do we find ourselves with a big item on our calendar that could be a month out and we're future forecasting to that particular event a month out, whether it be a date, whether it be a wedding, a social event, travel, work, a big business meeting, whatever it is, we can find ourselves living in the future, pulling ourselves out of the present moment and we can't win the present moment if we're not in the present moment. Number two, Signs to be aware of things that might be indicating that we are out of alignment. Now, listen, we fall out of alignment from time to time. We're human. It happens. We have to forgive ourselves. But most importantly, we have to get ourselves back into alignment. So what are those signs? How do we get ourselves back into alignment? Number three, the importance of forgiving ourselves. And you might be saying, well, Matt, that's so cliche. Everyone talks, forgive, forgive, forgive. Yes, I get it. But here's the thing. We don't get to control every single life experience that we have. It's impossible. So the ones that we don't control and we need to forgive ourselves for, sure, that's a little bit easier said than done. But it's the deliberate choices we make that don't go our way or we find ourselves repeating habits and patterns and it brings us into these funks. Those are a little bit harder to forgive ourselves for. So on that note, how do we do it? We're diving into the actual process of forgiveness, how to reinvent ourselves through that process. Number four, why rock bottom? And I get it. Rock bottom is not a place any of us want to be, but I'm sure all of us have been there. Why rock bottom moments help us and guide us to the light, even though it doesn't seem like it in those moments. You got to trust me on this one. And number five, a true and proven step-by-step process to begin to reinvent yourself. If you're working a job you hate, you're in a relationship you want to get out of, but you keep choosing it, whatever it may be, you want to discover that new you, bring that new you out and show the world, amplify it to the world around you. This episode is for you. To guide us through this conversation, we are joined by my brother, Craig Siegel. Craig is a value-based and high-energy global keynote speaker, and he's a rising thought leader. He's featured an entrepreneur and endorsed by some of the world's most well-known celebrities, entertainers, athletes, and entrepreneurs. Craig shares how he had that lucrative Wall Street job, 
that's so highly sought after, but it left him feeling like he was dragging a bus every time he was rocking his three-piece suit walking into the office. No one wants to feel like that. The pandemic shifted things for him. He turned inward, stripped himself of the layers, and reinvented himself, and now what he is birthing into this world. That's what we're diving into here today. So on that note, we bring to you our friend, Craig Siegel. Craig, my man. Love what you're putting out into the world. Super excited to amplify it further to our community here at Decoding Success. Thank you, seriously, for what you do. But thank you so much for joining us as well. There's no place in the world that I'd rather be than right here with you right now. We connected a little while back and it was some mutual friends. And right away, there was a ton of alignment. I'm excited about it. Let's get nuts. Let's have some fun. Let's do it, man. I'm going to ask you a question about what you just said. How do you ensure that you are as present as you just mentioned you are? Like accepting the fact like, this is where I am right now. There's no place I'd rather be. How do you get to that point? Something I work on daily, it occurred to me over the last two years that mindfulness is the portal to expansion. So in other words, something that's really trendy is let's win the day. I'm sure you've heard that before. I'm sure your listeners have as well. I like to take it a step deeper. Let's win the next activity. How do you do that? I block out caring about anything that's going on in the world after this interview or anything that happened before it. All that matters in the entire world right now is me and you locked in, engaged, building rapport, having unbelievable conversation, really diving deep. And what I noticed is that when you're able to do that, it makes for the most meaningful and special and productive experiences and moments. And if someone listening right now can just do that all day long with each activity, whether it's a podcast, a coaching call, a speaking engagement, hanging out with your kid on a date, whatever it is, but just be so present and mindful in the moment. And then you stack those magical moments. At the end, I'm willing to guarantee at the end of just one day of behaving like that, you'll look back like, whoa, we have a ton of momentum. Some really good things happened today. And I also know from contrast, from the old Craig, sometimes I would be doing something, but I was mentally somewhere else. And that's no good. And that's the opposite of mindfulness is the portal to expansion. So it's an effort. I set the intention and it's very important to me. And I also know when I do that and I'm all in like we are right now, that's what creates the best results. Yeah, that takes extreme discipline. So I, I guess let's be a little bit specific with this. I mean, I definitely get caught up in what you referred to as like the old Craig where, you know, you could be here right now on this podcast, but really truthfully, you're mentally elsewhere. So let's give a random example. I mean, I've definitely got caught up in having something big on the calendar, quote unquote big, or, you know, giving the meaning to that. And it's pulled me away, whether it be, oh, I have a date later tonight and I'm more hyper-focused on that than the present moment. What's some actionable tips for people to like refocus and, and get into a conversation like this? Just tunnel vision, right? Just making the most effort to be so all in that you're not, you don't allow yourself to drift, and if you do catch yourself, because we all are human, just understand that that's feedback and awareness is the key because you can't change it if you can't see it. So if you feel yourself thinking about some date before, wait a minute, I'm not even going to make it to that date if I don't give this everything I got. If you drift a little, catch yourself and then come back to the present. I love that. I didn't even get to ask you the first question I wanted to ask you, which is how are you? I mean, we just started diving in. I was just like, all right, well, you said something good in the beginning, but how are you, man? It's, I mean, it's been a minute since we you know, caught up. I think it was like a couple months ago. So what's going on in the life of Craig? Where do I begin, brother? I'm amazing. I'm in alignment. And we have so many things going on right now. I call it the 10 lane highway, although there's probably more lanes than 10 right now in CLS. We're speaking a lot. We're traveling. We got our first book, The Reinvention Formula, coming out August 15th. So 
as an author, as I'm now experiencing, there's one thing to write the book, there's another to spread the message, right? So there's a lot that goes into that, like extra, the whole campaign and so forth. So the book is top of mind. We got that going on. The community is blowing up. The podcast is huge. I'm engaged. We're planning a wedding right now. We just got a puppy, full-time job, spending time with my family. So I have a million things going on, but I wouldn't want it any other way. Essentially, this is what I asked for. And a good reframe is when you have a lot of things going on, it's not overwhelm, it's abundance, right? And I need to just do the best that I can to navigate, prioritize. And right now we're scaling and we're growing rapidly, so I'm hiring. And I used to have this limiting belief that who's going to wake up as excited about CLS is Craig. But the truth is that is just a limiting belief. And hiring done correctly doesn't cost. It actually pays, right? So we have a lot going on long-winded answer. Everything is great. I'm having so much fun, make more money than I ever made. And if I'm being honest, life has never been better. I love this. So let's break this down. First thing I want to touch on is you mentioning that you're in alignment. How do you know you're in alignment? Like how can someone that's tapped into this right now say, you know what, I'm in alignment too, or I'm out of alignment. Like what are the signs for you personally? Probably no better person to ask in the world than me this question because I spent 35 years out of alignment. So I have a good amount of contrast. Let's start there. What does it feel like to be out of alignment? Anxiety, stressed out, nothing really feels so easy. It's a lot of worry going on. You're not so enthusiastic or passionate about what you're doing. So if you're waking up on Monday and you can't wait for the weekend, or if you're like, how am I going to get through this day? Or how am I going to make it to the morning? There's a good chance you're out of alignment. Because that used to be me when I was on Wall Street prior to reinventing myself and getting into alignment. And now, just to be clear, especially you know this as an entrepreneur, it's a roller coaster, right? Very much so. It's unpredictable. Yeah, it could be unpredictable. There's ups and downs and so forth. But when you're in alignment, you're doing what you love. You're not a firefighter just putting out fires. You're more of a problem solver. So if things don't go your way or there's potential adversity and obstacles, you're thinking about how can I overcome this or, or what's the solve here? You're not stressed out. So for me, being in alignment means Monday is my favorite day of the week. I love this stuff. I'm excited. People always ask me, like, what are you on? It's like for the first time ever in my life now, I'm in alignment. I, I love what I do for a career. And just to be clear, you should absolutely love what you do for a career because you're going to spend probably a third of your life in your career, right? And I used to hear this expression, if you find what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And back then, I used to be like, right, it'll, it'll always feel like a J-O-B. It's not true. Genuinely love this. But I also remixed that quote. And what it should say, in my opinion, is when you find what you love, it'll never feel like you're working. Because make no mistake about it, I'm working. I'm still in that season of grind, only three years into this thing. But I love it. So when you're in alignment, things are flowing. You're able to manifest. You're blocking out the interference right? You're, you're, you're removing like limitations and you're able to be available for all the great stuff out there. I like to call it a vibrational match for good stuff to happen because you're in alignment, you're in flow. And oftentimes the obstacles, the challenges, the adversity that happens when we're out of alignment. Like for example, if you've ever been in a relationship that was toxic or wasn't the right person, I've been there and it just doesn't feel easy. Like, you know, in your soul, in, in your intuition that it's not the right person for you. That's feedback that you're out of alignment. So, th so these are a lot of good signs to show you when you are, and maybe even more importantly, when you're out of alignment. Absolutely. Bring the puppy, bro. Why are you snapping at the puppy? Bring the puppy on camera. <laughs> you heard me snapping? Of course. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, man. So it's funny because- I got my dog right so behind me. This is a welcome environment for all dogs. 
I love the authenticity. So my fiance and I recently got a puppy, which is great practice for the kiddos, as I could tell. And it's a full-time job. <laughs> but what I noticed is like, he'll be so cool, calm and collective, doing his thing, minding his business, playing with his bone. But as soon as I get really energetically excited and passionate and I'm like talking to a computer screen like I am with you right now, that's a signal to him. Wait a minute, what's he so excited about? Why is he not paying attention to me? So that's that. Picking up on the energy, bro. I actually want to yeah. talk. I want to make sure that you're comfortable talking about this first. But you know, but, but also real quickly before you did ask. So here's whiskey, bro. Let him whiskey, chill. Say hello. Let him chill. How old? How old is whiskey now? Five and a half months. Oh, still a baby, bro. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's a puppy. Yeah. No, I yeah. love that, man. If you're comfortable going down this route, I mean, just from man to man, I. You know, just want to ask you some questions personally about like on the relationship side of things. Like you're engaged. I'm not engaged. I'm in a relationship. But one thing that I'm pondering on recently is like, how do you know when you're in love? Like, what is like, how did you know that you were in love? And then I have a follow up question to this. Well, let me just challenge you real quick. What does love mean to you? What does being in love mean to you yeah. based upon the way you described it? To me personally, love, and this was a, a really big reframe that I had to go through and was very painful, Craig. I'm going to be honest with you. Like love previously to me looked like what I was conditioned to let it believe, which was neglect, rejection, things along those lines. And I cast no shame on the person that led me to believe love was like that, which was my mother. Because when my parents got divorced, you know, that was, you know, what I got. I got tough love. I got pushed away. I got all of that. So it was actually very uncomfortable for me to start receiving what I now view love, which is reciprocal exchanges of energy, which is reciprocal exchanges of effort, which is, you know, just literally the complete opposite. So I've been, and this is exactly why I'm asking the question, because I've been in the process of actually starting to accept that for what it is and understanding like, hey, like this, this is love, like you are in love. But I'm always curious to hear what people say on that topic, because it's like, I don't know, love can be, I mean, just like success can mean different shit to everyone. I mean, so can love, you know? Yeah, I do know. One of my one-on-one -on -one clients is dealing with something not the same, but a little similar. Just the fact that he grew up in a very, I never liked the term broken home, but like, you know, he's like a troubled relationship with his parents and I think they used to beat him and stuff like that. And so he always had a very difficult time receiving love. And I kind of identified that for him and he's, you know, he's in his forties and now he's on, he understands it and now he's much more open and he's having much better relationships. And, you know, being able to receive in general is a skill set or a muscle that can be developed. You have to be able to receive love, even if it wasn't provided to you in the best way possible at an earlier age. So being able to receive love, number one. Number two, I used to be in a relationship and I don't point fingers because I was not my best self either. We were just out of alignment, not the right fit. But I always knew like something about this doesn't feel right. I'm pretty sure based upon being in love, there should be a lot more mutual respect. There should be empathy and compassion. And even though I tried to make something work, it was like, sticking a round peg into a square hole, so to speak. It never really felt, but I convinced myself that this was it for me. This is my movie. This is my story. And then when that relationship ended, when, when that relationship was done, and I started to really work on myself more, and I began to love myself, meaning that although I was not where I'd hoped I'd been at that point, I had made some poor choices, I forgave myself. And I began to love all of me, not only the good, but even the ugly stuff, that stuff that you don't even want to tell your therapist. And forgive yourself. And when I started to do that, I started to become so much more authentic. It was like a superpower. And then from there, 
because I detached the energy from the wrong person, I was now available, even though I wasn't necessarily looking for it, I was just building CLS. Alessia, my fiance, and I crossed paths and I went out for a cup of coffee with her. And right away I knew this girl's different. I'm good. Like I just want to explore this. And some of the things that and I can only speak for myself because I don't think anything is a universal meaning. It's what we give it. For me, just such mutual respect. And when I say that, like, I think that's a very underrated trait. You don't have to agree with everything about somebody, but if you're in a relationship with them, you got to respect it, right? Obviously, communication, everybody talks about that, but just the way you feel about someone. And I'll never forget, like, maybe six months ago, my fiance was working from home that day, and I heard the craziest scream. I just got out of the shower or something like that. And she was cutting an avocado, and she's a little bit clumsy. I'll tell that to her face. And she sliced right through to her hand. And I heard a scream that I immediately, was like a signal, like never heard that before. And I ran to the kitchen and she was holding her hand, looked like she was holding her hand together because she cut right through it and she was bleeding everywhere. And I remember in that instant, brother, there's nothing else in the world that I would have rather been able to do than to take that pain from her. But because I couldn't do that, step two was how can I protect her and wrap this and take her to the hospital and make sure she's all right. And you know how like motivated and inspired I am with CLS in my career? During that moment, none of that mattered. All that mattered was making sure she was good and she was okay. And so that feeling that I had during that moment was how I would describe being in love. So that's probably a little bit of a weird answer because it's not so black and white, but I think for everybody it means different things, but there's just a way that you feel about somebody. And just to be clear, you can love someone and they cannot be the right fit, right? So I think those have to go hand in hand, but I hope that experience at visual and the way I felt in that moment kind of showed you like how I feel when I know that I'm in love. Yeah, no, I appreciate the story there. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like as a guy, as a man, you want to be able to protect, provide, make sure she feels acknowledged and make sure she feels seen, you know? Yeah. No, I appreciate and, and that. Also, yeah. And a little bit of opposites attract. You don't want to date yourself, right? Like I'm, I'm a handful, but so <laughs> is she, I think. And we just complement each other so well. And, and also like there's something to be said about, first of all, support, having that rock means everything, especially for cats like me and you that are go-getters and entrepreneurs, stuff like that. It takes a special type of cat to understand that lifestyle and support it. And then also one thing that she does that, that I really love is she has that immigrant mentality. She was born in Ukraine. She moved here when she was 14, basically American, but you know, she spent 14 years in Ukraine, but she has that like mentality and she's very gritty and she's very hardworking. And if I do something or say something, like she's not going to co-sign my bullshit. She's going to call me out on that right away. And sometimes it scratches the ego a little bit, but that's what you want in a successful relationship. So that's another thing I wanted to add. That's a great point. I guess my question to that is like, how do you not take those things personal, right? Because I mean, I'm experiencing it literally right now. You know, you're my mirror right now in this conversation. The person you're closest to, your intimate partner is your mirror. How do you ensure that what's being reflected back at you or the feedback that you're receiving from your partner isn't taken personal? Is it said to be malicious or is it said because you need to be called out on something? And even though it stings for a second, you know that if you take the suggestion, the feedback, you're going to be better for it. So if somebody is saying something to you, look, the worst thing that you can ever have in a partnership relationship is where somebody knows some stuff about you, like your darkest, deepest secrets, 
and they use that to kind of twist the knife. That's the biggest red flag there is. I just want to be very clear because when you're going to be with someone, you're going to know a lot about that person and you want to show them like this is a safe place. Like I would never use that against you. I may use that and try to help you overcome certain things. But if someone's doing stuff to you and it just doesn't feel right, like in integrity, that's your feedback right there. But if somebody says something to you that you don't necessarily want to hear, but when you take a second, you don't react, you respond, you think about it and you're like, she's probably right, right? Or, or that person probably, yeah, I could probably, I probably needed to hear that, even though I didn't like it hurt my butthole, as they, <laughs> as they say. So that's, there's a big difference between the two, Yeah, right? I agree. I want to go backwards a little bit. You talked about, you know, getting yourself or building the muscle of receivership. And you were specifically referring to love, but that's actually something that I've been working on too, is just like being able to receive. So for example, when we hopped on this call, you had complimented me and my instant rebuttal was to either A, deflect or B, compliment you right back, right? It's always one of the two. And then the third option is to receive it fully, like to actually receive it. How do we get into that last phase where we're not deflecting compliments that are given to us or we're not deflecting gifts or love or anything of that sort? And then furthermore, you know, not rejecting it. How do we actually receive? So to me, this is simple. The very awareness that you know you have a three-step process. Next time somebody shines light your way or gives you a compliment, take a second and say, which one do I want to, to exercise right now? And instead of deflecting or going back at me, say, you know what? I remember this conversation with Craig. He told me this was going to happen. I'm going to take a second and just say, thank you. I received that. And literally take a couple seconds and receive that and then move on. And then as you continue to do that, you'll start conditioning and reprogramming yourself to receive compliments more gracefully and more naturally. And I'm not surprised to hear you say that because a lot of people have that dealt with that or struggled with that in the past. But just the simple fact that you know that it's something you need to work on. Now, the next time it happens, you can choose to just say, thank you so much. I receive that. And don't say anything. Just take a second and literally receive that and then go back in the conversation. So just awareness, brother. You already got this. You yeah. just got to practice it. Yeah, I think men actually, and listen, I'm not a woman, so I can't really speak on their behalf, but I think men experience that slightly more. I mean, women are so prone to compliment one another. I think men on the other hand, and I actually started to gain some awareness on that front after reading, forgive me if I don't remember his name. I think it's like Jason Wilson. He has a book called Battle Cry. And I was like, damn, on the topic of receivership, that really hit home. But you're right. I do think it comes down to awareness. So I appreciate that sentiment. And I want to once again, go backwards because you talked about something that that I think a lot of people need to start to do, or when I say a lot of people, I'm one of them. You talked about forgiving yourself, man. What did that look like for you? Forgiving myself? I think that was the maybe the most pivotal thing that I ever did. And I talk about this a lot in the book. And there's a whole chapter about falling in love. And I think most people that have been following the brand or know me will probably think that chapter is all about Alessia. And it is not. Yes, she's mentioned. But what I really started to do, brother, when I realized that it was reinvention season and I was not happy with where I was, and that was by choice. And I can choose a different story, buy into, choose a different movie, have a plot twist. The first thing that I needed to do is to forgive myself for being in that position, for having been underachieving, been out of alignment, made some poor choices or investments, whatever, 
relationships, stuff like that, and give myself a little grace. And all that mattered in the world was none of the stuff that happened in the past that I couldn't change. Yes, I could change the meaning I gave the past. So that's a good thing. But all that mattered in the world is that what am I going to do next? And as soon as I forgave myself, I give this analogy, like I picture like walking to Wall Street into my office with my three-piece suit on and attached to my suit jacket, Maddie, was this bus. Literally, it was so heavy and ugh, walking around with it. And when I forgave myself, it's like I turned around and just cut it loose. And I just felt so light and free. It was liberating. My goodness, intoxicating. And it doesn't mean that I approve and like everything about me or that I've done or the mistakes, setbacks, or the case may be. But it means that I'm human and this is my life and I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm doing the best that I can. So I forgave myself, committed to working on myself and focusing on what can I actually do next to be a better human being, to find myself, to identify my purpose. And literally, as soon as I did that in the beginning of the pandemic, that's when I became available and I started receiving those downloads and I had that spiritual awakening and CLS began to come to me. So forgiving yourself is really, really challenging, but I think it's the most liberating and rewarding thing we can ever do. And walking around with that pain and trauma will never serve you. It will never be productive. So for anyone that's listening right now that needs to hear this, I totally understand that you may not be where you'd hoped you've been at this point, or you know that you're here for something more. Done. Let's forgive ourselves and let's focus on what's the next productive move. And as soon as I, for the first time in my life, made an effort to do that, I became light and free and everything began to open up for me. Now, if someone's tapped into this and they're like, all right, well, where do I start? What are like the tactical step-by-steps looking back on your life that you took? It sounds like you spoke truth to it. Obviously, you talked about, you know, giving yourself grace, but like, what are those steps? In regards to... Forgiving yourself. Just understand, like, this isn't like a sequel. Like, we didn't do this and now we're doing life again, like... We're living life. We're humans. And if you look at like the coolest, most relatable characters, they're all flawed. Me, you, everybody. It's one of the reasons why like when I was growing up and I was a comic book nerd, and I still am if I'm being honest, I never gravitated towards Superman because to me, he was very unrelatable. He was like this unstoppable alien. And yeah, I know there's kryptonite and stuff like that. But like Batman was always my guy because like essentially he's a human that knows how to kick butt. He's a great detective and he puts on a suit and he's a billionaire and he fights crime. And for me, that was attainable. So look, everybody's been through some stuff. Unless you live in a bubble, you're not even living and you're just existing. Everybody's been through some stuff. So we always have a choice. Do you want to live with regret and feeling bad for yourself? And the worst thing ever, which I think is one of the biggest diseases, is victim mentality. And I know that because I lived there for so long. Why me, right? But when you change that reframe to try me, I am a human and I'm not perfect and I am flawed, but I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be on my journey and I can improve, right? Just having that frame and that shift, give yourself a little grace, literally for anyone right now, give yourself a little grace. And another tangible thing that you could do is anytime you're feeling victim mentality, or you're having trouble forgiving yourself, reaffirm your assets, make a list of five to 10 things that are going really well for you in life. Maybe you call it a gratitude list. I like to call it reaffirming your assets. And you'll realize you do have some bright lights. You do have some good things going on. And that will immediately shift your frequency 
and encourage you to start forgiving yourself a little bit easier. And then you could take take some inspirational and positive steps forward. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, understanding that you're exactly where you're supposed to be, right? And I do believe that to be true. There's people that are going to be tuned into this. And one of my very good friends and I had this conversation this week and he was like, dude, like I understand that. But like when you're going through it, like when you find yourself in the mud or you find yourself in the gutter, it's really hard to believe that, hey, like this is where I'm supposed to be, right? So how do you tap into that belief? Like how do you make that belief like concrete to know like, listen, this is just a part of life. I'm going to read you a quote that I actually just sent to, sent to him this morning from a book that popped up on Snapchat. The quote is, every experience has been created for the purpose of awakening you. But like when you're going through it, Craig, like it's just like, dude, I don't want to fucking go through this shit, you know? Do you believe in something bigger than us? Like maybe God or something? There you go. Okay. So I just never like to put faith on people because, I, you know, I never like to talk about like that stuff, but I believe in God big time. And I believe that whatever someone's going through, they're being qualified so that when they overcome that, they can actually help people that have been through it or now they're more battle tested, right? And now they have a, a sense of perspective. Trust me when I tell you, you wouldn't love the things that are coming your way if they were easy to get. It's those seasons of rock bottom that shape us, that mold us. It's going through the darkness that helps us want to see the light. I know it's tough. I've been there myself. Bad. And I was just, so we have a launch team for the book, for the pre-orders, and we started reading the book before the world gets access. And I was just reading this out loud and I got really emotional and it reminded me of my rock bottom a few years back. And it is dark. It is. And it's tough. But if you can look up, you can get up. And you just have to know that somehow, some way, this is protecting, propelling, promoting you to something much greater. And we don't get to that greater unless we go through the storm. That's just what it is. Look at anyone in life, any good movie with the hero's journey. Everybody gets rocked, sometimes more than once. And then they get back. Rocky, whoever, The Dark Knight, Harry Potter, you name it. They get back up and they go through that hero's journey and they get to new heights. But you don't get there without the storm, without the turbulence. So you just have to understand for whatever reason that you can't explain right now, I know this is happening for me and not to me. And just to give your listeners a little bit of context, two years ago when I was training for a marathon, I had gotten injured at a speaking engagement and I came back and I was misdiagnosed with a sprained ligament. I was walking out with this big ass clunky boot for two months. My fiance and I were just talking about this today and having a good chuckle. It was misdiagnosed. It was actually a tumor in my foot that shook me up. But because it came out, I was not expecting that. But I had this mentality of the same cat that's before you here today, because I had already reinvented myself, my identity, my career, all the things I was really working on myself. And I remember saying, I'm not sure why this is happening for me, but I'm excited a little bit down the road to look back and connect the dots because you can't connect the dots looking forward like Steve Jobs said, only backwards. And so I used that time to the best of my ability. I controlled what I could control because I wasn't being very physically active. The time that I would typically be doing fitness, I used to really reread the secret and understand the quantum and do a deep dive. And because I was injured and I couldn't be running, I shifted gear to focus on that stuff. And that's when I really started to understand manifesting and vibrations. And that propelled me much forward. So that was a great example of when I was going through hell, having the mindset that even though I don't know why, I know this is happening for me and I'm going to control what I control and make the best of the now. And so it's easier said than done. But just like anything else that we've been talking about during this great conversation, it's a muscle and it's a skill that could be developed. 
And the more you shift frequencies from, I'm not sure why this is happening for me, but I'm going to make the most of what I can, as opposed to why me, the victim mentality, the quicker you're likely to get out of this and have you propelled to that something much greater. Absolutely. I don't want to go crazy looking for it, but I, oh, here it is. Literally keep it right on my desk. Life is happening for you. Little postcard from Tony Robbins after one of his events. So I definitely appreciate that. But let's talk reinvention formula. Let's, let's get into this. First question for you is, I mean, obviously you have a shit ton going on as it is. Like, dude, I'm sure planning a wedding, being engaged as a full-time job, you know, your community, your podcast, everything in between. Why now for you? Like, why this book now? So I believe this book is my assignment right now at this season of life. And everything that I've been able to do over the last two and a half years, people say that they've never seen someone reinvent themselves and build a personal brand in a short amount of time. And I'm very humbled by that because I started from scratch. But really what the whole message is, is that when I start most speaking engagements when I'm traveling, I often say to the audience, who here feels like they're here for something much more than they're currently settling for? And typically 99 out of 100 people will raise their hand. And so what that tells me is that mostly everybody knows that there's more out there for them. And I spent so long in that frequency, right? And then I realized that I had a choice. We all have a choice. And I began to choose a different story and I began to put myself out there and take inspired action. And then CLS, I gave birth to, it exploded, right? Like even if you didn't like me, hard to believe I know. One thing that you couldn't deny is that I totally reinvented myself. Wait, I pivoted very successfully. So whether it's a career, an identity, anything that you're looking to improve, it's never too late. You're not stuck, right? There's more out there for you. And just to be clear, you should want to have it all in life. You should absolutely want to have the career, the wealth, the relationships, all of it. And I believe my message right now inspires everybody because it showcases what's possible. Now the billion dollar question, okay, Craig, that sounds great, but how the hell did you do that? That's the whole point of the reinvention formula. And just to give you a little bit of insight, you know, this wasn't an overnight success, brother. I was obsessed with personal development for 15 years. You mentioned Tony Robbins. I was studying all the historic figures I was reading neurolinguistic programming until I was blue in the face, understanding that law of attraction, Kabbalah, emotional intelligence. And I was journaling it, documenting it. And I used it to build businesses and run marathons. But when I started CLS, I used it finally for my assignment, my purpose, and started CLS. And all of that stuff that I learned and applied in addition to reinventing myself in the pandemic, I put all into one vessel. So that's why I think it's so exciting. It's such a unique hybrid that the world hasn't seen. And I want everybody, I feel called, if I'm being honest, to showcase to everybody that no matter where you're at on your journey, it's never too late and there's so much more out there for you to tap into. So that's why that and that's why now. So you mentioned the how, but I'm really curious as to like the why. And you, you, know, you touched on the why throughout this conversation as to like why you felt like you wanted to reinvent yourself. You talked about wearing the three-piece suit, going into your office on Wall Street and just feeling like the weight of a bus on your shoulders or being dragged behind you. Like I understand that, but like, was there a particular event that came over you or that you experienced and you're like, you know what, enough's enough? Or was it just the series of events that build up? Great question. I think it was compounding for quite some time. There would be moments where I would get a little excited about what I was doing. I had my own business and it would be short-lived. It's like, you know how Tony, and just to be clear, I respect the hell out of Tony. He's the godfather. 
But one thing that he talks a lot about, correct me if I'm wrong, you might know better than I do, is like priming your state, like in the mornings, like, like getting into a different state. And I believe when you're in alignment, you don't even need to do that, right? But there would be days when I was on Wall Street, like I had to do that. And then I would, I would get a little excited and then I would go back to being miserable. So I wanted to get to a place where I was always excited, but I just didn't know what it was. But then a few years back, a couple things happened at once. It was a very big dark cloud over me or what it felt like. I had just got out of that toxic relationship that we discussed earlier. My best friend, my pops, my dad had got diagnosed with cancer. He's still battling. And I just found myself drinking more than I'd like to admit. I think I was just trying to escape my current reality, my current situation. Now, I didn't stay there too long because I believe in divine intervention. I know you do too, based on the tattoo you just showed me. And I believe running found me. And I started, I'd never run before. I was always lifted weights. And I started running, became obsessed. And I ran all these marathons. And I became a better human being in the process, which was kind of like my gateway to figuring it all out. But there was a season a few years back where a bunch of things happened at once. And for lack of better words, brother, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, is this it? What's the point? If I'm waking up on Mondays and I don't like my career and I'm looking forward to the weekend, like what's the point of this shit? There's got to be more out there. And then for me, the running gave me purpose again. It it allowed me an arena to be a gladiator in. And I just want to be clear, I was never looking to become a professional runner. But for me, during that season, I needed something. And this is really good for the audience today because if you're in a dark season or you are going through it, so to speak, find something to sink your teeth into. It doesn't have to be the, the end game. Maybe it'll be the thing that leads to the thing. But give yourself something that holds you accountable and helps you level up. And for me, that was running. And I needed that at a season when all those things happened to be at one time. I love that. You're still running, right? Every, every weekend? I may or may not have just signed up for the marathon. Where at? <laughs> I mean, this is going to be the first time I publicly announced it. So you're really holding me accountable. <laughs> uh, but I signed up for, for the greatest marathon in the world, New York City. I love for the that. third time. I have some unfinished business and it's uh, the first week in November. So I'm really excited. And let me just tell you why I did that. Besides, the, like for me running now, a lot of the magic happens there. Like I do my best connecting, but it's not that I've been like complacent with my routine because fitness is a big part of my life. I work out every single day, but I just haven't been like so engaged in the thing because I'm so busy with CLS. But I knew that if I signed up for New York City, the three months leading up to that, I'm just going to really have to level up. That means going to bed a little bit earlier, waking up a little bit earlier, probably no drinking at all as opposed to maybe once or twice on the weekend, just being a better human being. So I like to challenge myself and put things in the calendar that force me to level up. And yes, I do love running as well. So uh, yes, I just signed up for it. I love that, man. You actually beat me to my next question. I was going to ask you if you still find yourself drinking at all. I have a very healthy relationship with drinking nowadays. So I work my butt off, for lack of better words. doesn't feel like work. But at the end of a nice, long, rewarding week, my fiance and I, we like to, to have a drink on a Friday or Saturday night. It's just something I look forward to. It's like a treat. You got to earn it. Yeah. And that's really that. Only on the weekends. What's your drink of choice? You know, I, I, tequila, 1942, if you want me to be specific. Once in a while, we'll switch it up to whiskey. But I like a nice glass of tequila on the weekends after a long, nice, rewarding week. For me personally. How about home. you? I don't drink anymore, man. I, I stopped. I'm Well, it's not to say that I don't drink anymore, but I love wine. Dude, I just didn't like the way it would make me feel at a certain point. Like it never changed who I was. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes, you know, you can, you could drink and you could become, you know, a little bit of a different person. You know, maybe you're more out there, you're more open, whatever it may be. But, you know, the next day, man, I just, I, and it wasn't even like hangover. It, it was just like, 
a heavy feeling that didn't sit well with me. So now I dabble every now and then, you know, more on like this. Good for you. Yeah, more on like the, the celebratory I like, I like side. You, same. Like a nice long week. I would never drink out of the pressure or anything like that. But like, you don't want to. For me, I can only speak for myself. If you put such an expectation, like, oh, I can never drink again, that that's like, I don't know, creating a little bit of resistance. It's like, I don't love that expectation. But if you say, I don't really drink that much, but once in a while, if I'm at a wedding or it's been a long week and I want to kick back, no problem. That, you know, whatever's good for you. But it sounds like we're in a similar boat. Yeah, man. That, that's where I find myself drinking if I do drink is like at weddings. But dude, I'm going to be honest. There were times, especially during the pandemic, I would just be on my couch, pop open a bottle of wine and Next thing you know, I drank the whole bottle, four glasses. Dude, four glasses well, of wine. I'm not surprised you say it. Yeah, yeah, man, four glasses so of wine. You're on your pandemic. ass. In the beginning of the pandemic, I looked around and I, and I took a minute to observe for the first time in my life because my office was shut down and I couldn't work if I wanted to. And I saw that happening big time. That superseded with that Tiger show on Netflix. <laughs> and I thought without being, without being judgmental, I thought that was pretty dangerous. And that's when I really started to make myself available. I'm like, I got to take advantage of this moment. So- I hear you. I, I hear you in regards to that, but it looks like you're not in that frequency anymore. So that's good. Yeah, man. Let's get back to the book. I want to ask you, someone picks this book up. They read the whole thing front to back. Maybe they even do it twice, but they can only take one thing away from it. What do you want that one thing to be and why? Why not you? In other words, this book is so unique in my opinion, because it's not niche. It's not just for entrepreneurs or single moms or online marketers. This book can help everybody in the world in some capacity that looks to get better or to grow. And the biggest thing that I want, if I can only choose one, and that's tough for someone to extract, is that yes, you, the reader, can do anything that you want and it's never too late. You have it within you. You see the all-time greats, Disney, Steve Jobs, if you like Elon Musk, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever your cup of tea is, they don't have more potential than anyone else, me or you. They just have figured out how to tap into a bigger percentage of their potential. In other words, your light, even if it's beaten down by life, it's never damaged. It's just often concealed. There's another curtain over your light, but you can take those curtains off. It's never too late. And reinvention is literally ready in any capacity when you are. And that, if I had to choose one, is the biggest message that I would like someone to extract from it. I love that. I'm going to make sure the link to the book is in the show notes of this episode. I'm going to ask you a few more questions before we head out. I'm sure you get a million and one questions, not just from podcasts, but in your community and beyond. But what's a question you wish more people would ask you and how would you answer it? How do you think bigger? That's just straight off the cuff. You asked me what, what I wish people thought or what people would ask me. I would like to see people start challenging their limitations more and really start expanding what they see as possible for them. Because one of my superpowers is my ability to think really big. And the good news is, is that's a superpower that's accessible for anybody, if you're willing to practice and tap into it. And I would like to see a lot more people start to play and think much bigger and kind of remove, like, you know, like a sports car, it comes with like that governor can only go to a certain speed. In life, that's not real. We implement that whether it's from the matrix or society or conditioning, our parents, we subconsciously set these limitations of what we can achieve. But we can also expand that or even remove it. And I like to consider myself delusionally optimistic because I am. I always believe things can work out. I believe there's a way. And so you asked me, brother, I'd like to see people start asking me how to start thinking and playing bigger. I love that. I'm going to potentially 
hear the same response or something similar. I mean, you've given us a ton of advice already. I had Dr. Michael Gervais on the show from the Seattle Seahawks or to class. Great guy. Fantastic. He asked me a question that I, I've had to ask to every single person after him. How would my life be different if I knew what Craig knows? Two things. You'd be able to really identify clarity on what you want to do with this short, beautiful trip that is life, and then you'd be able to execute on it. Those two things. Now, does clarity, a little bit of a tongue twister, does clarity align with alignment? Do they mean the same thing to you? Clarity is so big because when you have set intentions and clarity, you're more inclined to take inspired action. Now, just to be clear, I'm a big believer in in three words. Clarity follows action. In other words, you got to get in the damn arena You got to start making moves and then you figure things out along the way for sure. You should never not begin because you don't have clarity. But if you're able to work on a skill set on how to cultivate more clarity, once you're clear about a specific mission, it's like a heat-seeking missile. You can begin to attack it, right? Because let's just talk about the law of attraction for just a second. Like once you have an idea, something is possible. But now you sudden you take inspired action towards that idea. Now that possibility becomes a probability, right? So if more people were able to identify clarity, they're more inclined to then take action and achieve all that they would like to achieve. And I don't believe anybody here, when I say here, I mean like earth, I don't think anybody wants to play small, right? So why are they? Why was I playing so small for so long? I think I probably didn't realize that there was more out there for me or I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what to attack. And I didn't realize I had a choice. So by beginning to get clear on what we want to do, now we can begin to attack that successfully. I love that you're saying that action is what clears the path for you to get more clear, right? I I love that thought. I've definitely tried doing it the opposite way numerous times in my life where it was like, try to get clear and then take action. But, you know, sometimes just taking that. You never start. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And also like, just to say that for a second, give yourself permission to be less than perfect. I'm really big on messy action. And if you don't believe me, go back to some of my early content when I first started CLS. It was not polished. As I always like to say, my good friend Chris Voss said this. He said something along the lines, don't call me on it. But if you're not embarrassed with who you were a year ago, you're not growing, right? So get in the damn arena, put yourself out there, take a public speaking course, do an Instagram live, start a do things. And then all of a sudden, the universe likes that. The right person will come with you if you get the right idea. Or maybe you'll just collect data and realize what you don't want. But if you wait for that perfect time, you'll never begin. So let go of two things that need to be perfect and waiting for the right time. I love this. One thing that I started doing, Craig, on this show is, I mean, I got this idea from Stephen Bartlett. So it's not like I came up with it, but I loved it so much that I started to implement it here. I ask every guest, past guest, a question to ask a future guest. No one knows, you know, who the next question's for. It's not like I'm like, hey, like Craig's coming on the show, ask Craig a question. But this person, our last guest had actually asked two questions, which I'm going to ask you. The first one is, if your heart had words for you today, what would it say to you? You're on the right path. Mm. What leads you to believe that's what your heart would say? I have so much love in my heart these days that it's almost goofy. And I never used to be like this. I'm such a mushball for my fiance, for my puppy, for CLS, for my clients, for the speaking, the lives that we're impacting. I just have so much love in my heart. And there's no better feeling or emotion than love. It cures all. It's the best. And I have contrast. I used to not really be like this. So I know that the more, more my heart feels so big sometimes that it's going to burst in the best, goofiest way possible. So if I'm feeling like that, I have a feeling 
I'm going in the right direction. And I hope everyone experiences life like that. Yeah. So our last guest actually had a, a second part to the question, which is if your inner child had a question for you today, what would he or she ask? Do you see now why I was always tugging at you that you were here for something more, even though you were going down some goofy paths? Do you see now why I gave you that edge? The reason why I would say that is because I always felt like there was something in me and I always felt inauthentic in certain paths, certain groups of friends, certain hobbies, because I think I was trying to fit in. And ironically, when I really started to stand out, that's when the world began to see me. But I always felt something. And, and I used to think that was a bad feeling. Like, is this for me? Am I doing the right thing? But now I realize, looking back, that those feelings that I had, my inner child, whatever the case would be, it was actually guiding me that at some point I would be able to cultivate that edge, put it together, stand out. And when I did that authentically, that's when the world would really begin to see me. I love that. Now I need to ask you a question to pass on to our next guest. So you need a question for me, right? Yep. To ask the next guest. I don't know who the next guest is, so I can't even give you a clue. I, I don't even want one. <laughs> Let me just think because I want to give a really good answer, a really good question. How do you cultivate clarity? That's going to be a great answer. I love to hear what the answer is because I know you're going to have a great guest on. I love that, man. I love that. I just want to let everyone know that links to socials, websites, programs, communities, podcasts, books, all of that good stuff is in the show notes. But I'm going to end this with one last question. I mean, you've given us a ton of advice as it is, all from your personal experience. So I just want to express gratitude for you showing up transparently, authentically, and all of that good stuff. But if Craig makes it to whatever year he wants to live to, right? Maybe it's 150, maybe it's 350. You put out as many books, you put out as many podcasts, you impact as many people as you want, but you can only be remembered for one piece of advice, meaning not asking you how you want to be remembered. But if I think of Craig, this piece of advice from you pops up in my head. It's like, what's etched into the tombstone? What would that advice be? Go for it. Just go for it. Whatever's inside you, whatever's tugging at you, why not you? There's no reason as to why you can't execute it do it. And I speak to so many people, some of my loved ones that are in my inner circle, and they want to do these big grand things, but for whatever reason, they're not taking action. And trust me when I tell you, for your listeners, you will never regret going for it and taking your shot, even if it doesn't work out. But you will 100% regret not going for it and not taking your shot. And it is never too late. Go for it. Absolutely. Craig, I can't believe an hour flew by. I mean, I could definitely keep this going, but man, time time flies, man. I just want to seriously express gratitude for you again. As mentioned, all of that good stuff is in the show notes, but thank you so much, brother. This was fantastic. Thank you for having me, man. You have just tuned into episode number 289 of the Decoding Success podcast featuring our friend, the master of reinvention, Craig Siegel. Now, before diving into anything else, I just want to point something out. You are still listening to this episode. There is a reason that you not only listen to this podcast, but finish this podcast. So I'm going to urge you to make sure that you're sharing it with the people that are in your life. You would not be listening to this still if it wasn't of value. Sure, was it entertaining or whatever the case may be? Maybe that's the case. But there are valuable nuggets within this episode that need to be shared with the people in your life. So whether you share it on social media, via text message, however, wherever, that means the absolute world to us because you're helping us make an impact. You have the opportunity to be a beacon of light in someone else's life. And by sharing this episode, you are doing so. So I'm expressing gratitude to you in advance for clicking that share button, the three little dots, copy this, that, the other, whatever it may be. 
share this episode and expressing gratitude for you doing so. You can check out Craig in the show notes of this episode where you're going to be able to find the link to his book, his socials, websites, all of that good stuff in the show notes of this episode. New episodes every single Wednesday. If you have not subscribed to the show, come back next Wednesday. We're bringing it to you again. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.